0: Getting rid of bad habits, adding good habits, layering habits, the myth of willpower, all these ideas and more get spotlighted today on this special episode. I was recently I was listening to one of uh, Jim Fortin's hypnosis tapes, and it really struck home. And I thought, you know what? I'd like to reshare an interview I did last year with the master of subconscious transformation, Jim Fortin. Enjoy! You're listening to the Fittest Freedom Podcast, and I'm your host, Kelly Howard. I've been in the fitness and outdoor adventure space for almost two decades. Today, I'm known as the motivation and adventure coach. I help smart, successful women and a few guys navigate the space between mindset, motivation, and movement to move away from self-doubt and to learn to embrace their inner athlete. You already know what you want to do, and I bet you have a pretty good idea what you need to do. Together, we can fine-tune the details and create the steps you need to get moving forward. Think of me as your shortcut to a life of fitness, fun, and freedom. I'm so glad you're here. Jim, thanks so much for being here today. I'm so excited.
1: Absolute pleasure.
0: I've been a big fan of yours for a long time, and I have learned from you on a lot of different levels. But probably one of the first places that I really started really diving in with you is all around habits. And to me, habits are one of two things. You're either acquiring habits or you're getting rid of habits. So I'd like to know what your take is on that. And when someone wants to, you know, I mean, coming into the first of the year, a lot of people are like, oh, I need to change my habits around exercise or fitness or health or whatever it is. What's your take on it?
1: Okay. So that's a big question there. And you know, obviously, you know that I have a habit program that you've been through. We, you know, we didn't talk much because we've known each other for a while, but in our pre-talk before us talking right now, you said that many people get into a lack of consistent habits. And then I said that that's not true. They get into habits. They just get into the habits that don't get them the outcome that they want. So we're all in the habits because as you know, of what, and this is research demonstrated, 95% of what we do day in, day out is habit. You know, for example, you get up and whatever you do in the morning, you pretty much do it the same sequence every single morning. Whether you read the news or you make your coffee or you get ready or get dressed or whatever, it's generally always the same sequence and why that's a habit. Now, over to your question about New Year's. What people do is the left-hand side of the brain, the analytical side of the brain, they say, I want to feel better. I want to look better. I want to be sexier. It's the new year. I want to set my resolutions. The reason they're not going to the gym in the first place or working out is because they're not in the habit of it. So then they say they want to do it, but they fall off very quickly. 98, I think 92 to 98% of people fall off in three weeks. Why? Because they revert, they revert back to their old habits and they never established a new habit of going back again. That's why people fall off track. They're in a habit. Oh, we're all in habits. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Let, let's go there for a second. We're, we're in a habit loop all day. This is brain-based. It's a reptilian part of the brain. We're in a habit all day long, pretty much, I'd say 23 hours of the day, we're in habit. And I'm just making that up. I mean, it's it's obviously 24, but it's to the degree of what habits we're in during the day. Um, and you're sleeping, obviously. This is a big thing for a lot of people. They They don't really get it when I say it the first time, is that every thing that you have in life, everything, everything you have, everything you don't have is the result of habits. You don't get what you want. You get your subconscious habits. That's why habits are so powerful. They run our lives. People talk about it, but most people really don't grasp it at that level. When I say whatever you have or don't have is a result of not what you think you want, but it's a result of the unconscious habits that you have.
0: So how do you step past that?
1: Well, in what context?
0: So let's say that someone, if you're happening to listen to this, um, when we're recording it, New Year's is coming up. So that's always this big, gonna change, gonna do a New Year's resolution, gonna change my habits, gonna do something new. And we all know that unless you're really doing something different, you're going to fall back into the same old habits again. But let's say you've got a habit around overeating. What does someone do? Is that a change your habit by adding a new way of being and acting, or is it a change your habit by removing things that aren't working from your life? How do, how do you do that?
1: That's a really interesting, and that's a big one. Now you went kind of like for the grandmother of all of them, <laughs> like a big one. So let's let's dig into this bite by bite, no pun intended. Let's say that you're talking about overeating. I want to stop overeating in the new year. There's neurology behind this. First off, we live in a culture where 82% of the population is overweight. You probably know that. Now, a lot of what can, and we may get a little off track, but we'll come back. A lot of what contributes to that is not our personal desires or wants or whatever. It is that we have become addicted to foods that we can buy. Let me just go even deeper here. For example, uh, Cheetos, when you eat Cheetos, you get the orange stuff on your fingers, and then you lick your fingers. Well, Cheetos knows that, and some of the, mo- the most sensitive parts of the body are the finger pads, so when you lick your fingers, that releases endorphins in the brain. So what we do, it's called a neural associative condition, we tie eating Cheetos to feeling good because we lick our fingers, that releases endorphins, and the brain ties that and associates that to Cheetos, therefore we feel good about Cheetos. Doritos does a very similar thing with which they know how many pounds of pressure that you've got to bite down into a Dorito to get that crunch out of a Dorito. McDonald's does the same thing at the temperatures they serve their fries, the salt they put on them. So the entire food industry is designed for the most part, not the entire, but most of it is designed to addict people to high fat, high sodium foods. And so as a result, we become overweight as a culture. That's really the first thing to be looking at. But let's go to back to where you're talking about. Okay. This is a big one. So you're saying I want to change my food habits in the new year. That's where we want to start. First things first, let's go big picture is what a lot of people do. And you've seen this in your field is I'm going to tackle it all on Monday, no more Cheetos and Doritos and Hohos and Ding Dongs and ice cream. So then what they do is they clean out all Saturday, they're eating all this stuff. Sunday, they're cleaning out all their cabinets. Monday, they're good. I'm starting my new life. I'm starting my new diet. Then Tuesday, they're pretty good. And then Wednesday, they're like, mm, yeah, you know, I sure would like a Dorito today. Or I, I, would, I can have just one chip. And then what happens is they might fight themselves all week. Friday rolls around and they're like, you know what? I've been good all week long. I can have some nachos today. Monday, they're right back to their old patterns. Why? Because at the identity level, who we are, who we identify with subconsciously, that's where we're working from not even knowing it. So let's say that at the identity level, I'm a person who loves comfort food or, or high-fat food, and that's who I am at an identity level. Well, then no matter how much I try to change my behavior, I'm still going to be driven by my unconscious identity, which makes me do the things that I don't want to do. Does that make sense so far?
0: It does. It does.
1: So here's what we have to do. Let's take it back to the direction you asked. What I would not do is try to tackle everything in my diet, because you see people doing that and they fail. Um, let's take this for example, an example, let's say diet Coke, which you've heard me talk about before. Um, it's not good for us. I would tackle that first. I would tackle one thing that I, that I knew if I took it out of my diet, it would make a difference in my diet. I would tackle one thing and one thing only, and we can talk about how to do that, but I would not try to tackle like, I'm going to live a perfect life starting on Monday because many times when people want to create an outcome, a big outcome, they look for big solutions and that's not the way to get the big outcome. The way to get the big outcome is little solutions that actually build up and create the big outcome that we want. Whew, I said a lot.
0: No, it's, it's, yes, absolutely.
1: But, but let's go here really quick, Kelly, is that people fight themselves when they go on and they, we live in a world where everyone goes on. That's, we've been trained. Women go on diets. Men do too, but we go on diets. It doesn't matter what diet you go on, which is a behavior, if in your unconscious identity, you're a person who loves pizza and junk food and Dr. Pepper. Because if you're a person who loves that in the subconscious level, then you try to change your behavior, you're still driven by your subconscious mind, which sabotages us.
0: I have a belief that if someone, let's say someone wants to tackle everything at once, I'm going to change the way I eat, I'm going to become a clean eater. What happens is that the second that they fail, we'll call it failure, but the second that they step off what they consider clean eating, then their mind starts thinking about the fact that, oh, I ate the Dorito. I'm you know not going to be able to do this. And that contributes to taking them out of doing the action that they want to do. Is that true?
1: Yeah. What happens, I call it collapse and relapse. So I'm really good for a week and then I collapse on Friday. Then I relapse back in my, my old behaviors on Monday. What I want people to understand is that if you trip along the way, it doesn't mean anything other than you tripped over the cheeseburger. That is it. What many people do is they trip over the cheeseburger and they're like, oh my God, see, I told you, this is so hard. I couldn't do it. I just don't have the willpower. Every time that I try to do something different, I fail over and over again. What's the point of even trying anymore? I'm just so fat. Or something along those lines. And all of that comes from, you know what? I tripped today. I stubbed my toe and I had a cheeseburger. Well, the fact is, is that you had a cheeseburger. But the meaning that most people give it is something they personalize. And they personalize it and they generally make it about them. The reality is, you just had a cheeseburger. When they personalize it, they make it about them saying, I'm so lazy. I just don't have any discipline. I just can't do it. When it's not about them at all, it's about the cheeseburger. So what I tell people, yeah, is if you stub your toe, if you miss a day of working out, if you eat something you shouldn't eat, it doesn't mean anything other than the fact that you missed the day of training. But people, again, even that, going to these big, long stories, stay out of the big, long stories. It doesn't mean anything other than you just missed it that one day. Get back on the horse again the very next day. Keep it simple.
0: So when someone falls into a story and they've suddenly determined this story is that I can't stick with this. What's their next step other than like, obviously it's kind of a forgive and forget, right? Forgive yourself. So what step on? I'm going to keep going forward. Is there something else they can do on the identity level to say people who are healthy or whatever that, you know, vision is that they have people who are X still do this action, how do they get to that stage? How do I get to that stage or whoever gets that stage where you, you make a mistake, you fall off the wagon, you eat the cheeseburger, whatever it is, how do you step past that and just get to that identity that says, it's okay to be like this and still, I'm still moving forward?
1: Okay, so I want to point out, you used the word identity, which you've heard me use for a long time, but your audience probably hasn't heard it in the way that you have. Let me go back 25 years. I'm 53. When I was, I don't know, my mid-23, 24, 25, all the way till about 40, but mainly in my 20s and 30s, I'd go to the gym and lift weights, free weights, five days a week. And when I was in my mid-20s, one afternoon, I'd go in the afternoon because I've always been self-employed. There was a guy that was like an amazing shape. I mean, he was like phenomenal shape. And I thought he was a trainer. And he spotted me on a bench press. And I even asked him if he was a trainer because I, was gonna, I wanted to hire it to be my trainer. And we started talking, and he said that he was a pharmaceutical sales rep. And what he said, I wasn't in my industry back then, 26, 27 years ago, however long it was. But what he said, I've always remembered. He goes, I'm a pharmaceutical sales rep, and we go on a lot of dinners. and We take people out for steak dinners and all that. And he goes, when everyone else is eating steak and potatoes and wine and drinking wine, I'm having chicken breast and rice and steamed vegetables and water. And then he said, here's, here's what really got me. He goes, I do that. Because that is who I am. That's identity. So he is trim and fit and worked out because that is who he is. So let's take this a little further. Is wherever your body is right now, that's because that is who you are at the identity level. That is your self-image. That is how you see yourself. So let's use one of the best examples of Oprah Winfrey. As you know, in your industry, you've seen her over the years try to do a lot of things to be trim and healthy. The trainers and the diets and all of these programs over the years. Yet, she always go- goes back to being overweight. Now, you may know the answer because you've worked with me, but help people listening. How come she does all of these things and has all the money in the world and can hire anybody she wants and she's still overweight?
0: Because at a certain level, that's who she is.
1: At an unconscious level, that's who she is. And to go even deeper here, and it could be this, is I don't know, I've never worked with her. It could be, for example, that she was raped when she was 13 or 14 or so. Many times when women are raped or sexually abused, what they will do, as an unconscious metaphor, they will put on weight. Why? Because then they can say, see, nobody wants me now. And it's actually an unconscious defense mechanism for them to do that. My bigger point is, and I want everyone to see, is that Oprah can do all these things and can afford anything she wants, but she's still overweight. It doesn't make sense. Well, the reality is at a core identity, at a self-concept, self-image level, she's overweight in her mind. Because she's overweight in her mind, she is overweight in her external environment. That makes sense, right? The way I explained it.
0: It does. I mean, I have a a story in my personal life that is really very similar. I've always considered myself athletic. That's who I am. I'm, I'm athletic and I had an injury earlier in the year, which kind of took me out of um, a lot of the stuff that I did. And what I caught myself doing was thinking about not that I was an athlete, but that I needed to try and keep in shape. It was a different mindset. Like now I'm trying instead of I am.
1: And trying instead of being.
0: Trying instead of being. And it totally, like totally threw me off for several months until all of a sudden I was like, wait a second, you're trying to be something instead of being the person that you've always been. So, try something different. Do something different. You'll be fine.
1: What I would ask you is who in your mind were you being being? What were you thinking and what were you doing when you were only working from the place that I'm fit, trim, and healthy, or I'm in great shape? You want to model your old models of thinking that got you the results that you wanted in the first place.
0: Right. And if for some reason you couldn't do exactly what you were doing before, because sometimes you can't for whatever reason, then it doesn't mean that anything more than you have to choose something different and you can still take those small little steps to get you to be who you, or get you to who you want to be.
1: Yeah. And let me add there, we'll go a couple of places here with this, but, but let me add, and I'm going to say something you've heard me say before, and it's so simple, so crazy simple that most people don't get it, is that everything is mental. So let's look at that. I can't control my eating. I'm older and I'm slowing down. It's going to take me a long time to recover. No matter what I do, I fail every time I try to go on a diet. I don't have the energy anymore. And the list goes on. Every bit of this is nothing more than mental. You know, the great example is, and I watch a lot of uh, documentaries, and I've had some clients and I've known some Navy SEALs. Those guys, to go through Navy SEAL training, only 10% of a class finishes when they start. 10%. It is beyond excruciating. And And they're all young guys, they're all fit. They're all probably in their early 20s. I mean, they're all extremely fit physically. What separates the ones who finish and the ones who don't, it's just a mental game. Plain and simple. It's a mental game. Then Now, there could be injury here and there, but overall, I've followed this long enough, it's all mental. And they have a rule. I know you've probably heard me say it before, but it's the 40% rule. Do you remember that? And have you heard me say it?
0: I think I know what you mean, but go ahead and repeat it.
1: The forty percent rule is when physically, when you think that you're done, you're out of the game, you're exhausted. The Navy SEAL forty percent rule is that you're only at forty percent, and you've got sixty percent left.
0: I wasn't sure if it was which way, which way, sixty or forty, but
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, you got when you think you're done. You, and this is this is really what they work by for real. This is not some you know motivational hyperbole. That's what they uh, what they work by. The rule of forty percent. When you think that you were just out of the game, done, you're only at forty percent of capacity makes total sense actually.
0: I mean, it really does.
1: I know you've worked out for years. I remember a trainer many years ago when I was young and we were doing leg press, which legs, a lot of us legs are never your favorite days, at least for men. And I'm like, I'm done. And he's like, no, you're not. And I'm like, no, I'm done. He's like, three more reps. I'm like, I'm done. He's like, no, you're not. (laughs) And I pushed out three more reps. And he said to me, he goes, the mind will always give out before the body. And then let's go to injury. Because I know that part of your audience is, I think, what, 30 to 50 or so? Correct. What a lot of people don't understand is the healing power of the body. And my current coaching group that, you know, the one that you've been in, I posted in there that we're self-healing. And there was a lady that said, she goes, I respect your beliefs, but I don't believe that. And she can't see or she could not see what's obvious. If you've ever got a paper cut, you didn't need to go to the emergency room. You might have put some Neosporin or a Band-Aid or whatever, and it healed. We heal. When people get the flu, many times they don't go to the doctor. They let it run its course, and a couple of days later, they heal. We are self-healing mechanisms. Now, power of the mind, self-hypnosis. You know I've talked a lot, and I I train on self-hypnosis. And there will be people that will say things like, well, I don't believe in hypnosis. I don't really care what you believe. Harvard, Stanford, Yale, Columbia, the Mayo Clinic, the National Institute of Health, they all endorse the efficacy of self-hypnosis. I mean, it's scientifically proven. Research has demonstrated at Harvard that we can heal two-thirds quicker using self-hypnosis and the power of the mind than not using it. And they have done study after study after study of the power of the mind on healing. Most people actually do not heal from the inside out. They do not use their mind to heal They basically will use conventional medicine and then not direct their body to heal and accelerate the healing.
0: Let me ask you about that. We're, let's say that we're in order to do that. You go into self hypnosis and now you're looking at your body, whatever's not working. You're in self hypnosis and you're seeing your body healed.
1: Yeah. You see it as already healed. Absolutely. Um, at Harvard and Stanford as well. When people use self-hypnosis prior to surgery, they recover two-thirds faster than people who do not use it. Not only that, they use 90% less anesthesia than people that actually do not use self-hypnosis. So let's not even, let's not even use the word self-hypnosis. Let's just use power of the mind. When you imagine and you direct your body to heal, the body, the unconscious mind will respond to you. You can command your subconscious mind to heal you but here's what most people do. I remember many years ago when I was waiting tables and it was just the wintertime rolling around. And I remember the manager, I think it was February, whatever. The manager started sniffling and he's like, gosh, I hope I don't get sick. Well, the very next day he was sick. Now, have you ever noticed people before that have a lot going on and they're going on vacation tomorrow and they start feeling bad and they're like, no way. I've got <laughs> no time for this. Literally, I've got no time to be sick. Very next day, they're well. We can command our bodies. And I'm telling you with, you know, all the athletes you have and you got a- women that follow you. Uh, hypnobirthing research has demonstrated many times women that use hypnobirthing, meaning using power of the mind because the body can create its own anesthesia. Women who use hypnobirthing also have 80% less complications and heal and out- are out of the hospital quicker than women who do not. And anybody listening, don't take my word for it. Go research, go look it up for yourself. The National Institute of Health has said that, and I mean, it, it's very, very scientific. I mean, their measurements and everything and, and the way they, they calculated all this and statistics and all this, but self-hypnosis is extremely effective at managing PTSD. Yet troops are never told about it once they get back and many have PTSD. But let's not even call it self-hypnosis. Let's call it power of the mind. And most people do not use it in their diets, in their health, their wellness, their healing, in their sports performance, because they don't know that it exists.
0: It's funny. I'm in my late 50s, and my mother actually had me with hypnosis. And it was a big deal because she was in a Catholic hospital at the time. And the doctor said, well, no one here can know that you're doing this.
1: Even though it's mind power, it's voodoo, right? And it's the work of the devil, (laughs) right? Yeah, you're going to hell for using your mind, right? That God gave you.
0: My mother probably thought that she might have have had a devil spawn, but...
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a whole different subject though, right?
0: That's another animal. That's another animal. But yes, it was kind of interesting because when she told me that, I thought, wow, that's amazing. No, she was pretty amazing. I've talked about her on here a few times, but yes. So, power of the mind to change habits.
1: But let's go with that. I, I'm not sure where you're going to go, but I want to go somewhere because I know what they do. They fight themselves. They fight themselves to work out and they fight themselves to lose weight, foods, whatever. Let's go some. A big thing here that a lot of people don't understand is willpower. So people will try to will their way to diet, will their way to the gym. Willpower does not work. So what happens is when you talk about using your willpower, that's the, that's the analytical left-hand side of the brain. There is no way I'm having cupcakes. I'm cutting sugar completely out of my diet. If you are at an unconscious level in your self-image, if you're a person who loves sugar, now what you've done is you have juxtaposed two parts of the brain, literally. Uh, one part of the brain is saying, I want sugar because that's that's what you do. The other part of the brain is saying, no, 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 no. Then what people do is they use their willpower to fight the part of them that wants the sugar. Now, willpower is a fixed resource, meaning it's like a cell phone battery. When you charge your phone up in the morning, you've got a full battery. If that's how you charge your phone. End of the day, if you're talking on your phone all day long, end of the day, you've got no battery left. Well, the same thing with willpower. So what happens is we use our willpower to fight the habit, which there's that habit word again. We use the willpower to fight the habit the habit fights back. Then the more willpower we use, we deplete our resource of willpower. So then at the end of the day, we have no willpower. And then the habit we've been fighting is stronger than the willpower, and we fall right back into the habit again. Did that, did that make sense the way I explained it? Absolutely. So stop using willpower. Literally, stop using willpower. And what you want to start doing is reprogramming your subconscious mind for the outcomes that you want. And you can Google um, Self-hypnosis, self-hypnosis audios, self-hypnosis training, but literally we all work and it's not an opinion. It's It's been proven. We work from the inside out. We work from our subconscious identity and whatever you want to change in your life, whether it's to be trim fit and healthy or certain foods or working out, it all comes from how we are programmed and our subconscious habits. That's what we work on, not the behavior because the behavior is driven by the unconscious habits. You change the unconscious paradigms, and everything else changes. Best example, another example here, I know you're thinking as we're going, is I didn't smoke today. I didn't buy any cigarettes. How come? Because you don't smoke. Right. At at a self-image level, I'm a non-smoker. Because I'm a non-smoker in my unconscious paradigm, why would I ever do the behavior of smoking? I would not. So whatever you are in the subconscious paradigm is what you automatically do. But people don't like what they automatically do, which comes from the subconscious paradigm, then they use their willpower and fight it. Now, again, they're working from the wrong place. The only place and the right place to work, if you want long-term permanent change, is to work on the self-image and the identity.
0: So you start with self-image. Then I would think that you also need to set up the steps or the actions, let's say, that a person who is that type of person that you your self-image wants to be you set up those steps as, as to how that person would be and would act and would go through life so that then you don't have to make the decisions about would a, would a healthy person eat this cheeseburger since we've been talking about cheeseburgers or whatever it is. You've already got the vision and you've got the actions, right? Because as people, we just don't sit around and dream about how we want to be. We are action animals. reactive and reactive, (laughs) act and react. So then you need to know what your actions are going to be to be that kind of person.
1: That's a great subject you bring up. Also, for everyone listening is research has demonstrated. Let's say, for example, that you walk into the office in the morning, and you know there are jelly donuts. And every morning you walk in on the way there, you're like, I'm not going to have a jelly donut, which by the way, is talking to your unconscious mind and a negative. If I say, don't think of a pink elephant, you have to think of a pink elephant to know what I do not want you to think about. So, you're not thinking about what you do not want to think about. You're actually thinking more about what you don't want to think about when you think about what you don't want to think about. <laughs> i to make that simpler. If you said, I'm not going to have coffee, I'm not going to have coffee. What are you thinking about? You're thinking about coffee.
0: That's absolutely right. You're going to, you're thinking about coffee nonstop.
1: Exactly. So a better place to work from is that I, I drink only water or I drink things that are only healthy for me or coffee for me is a thing of the past is a whole different way of saying it than saying I'm not going to drink coffee. Now back to the loop that I started. So what happens is people walk in the office and they know that when they walk in, people are going to have jelly donuts. So they say, I'm not going to have jelly donuts. I'm not going to have jelly donuts today. Well, they're talking to themselves about having jelly donuts. They walk in, they see the jelly donut, and they want it. Research has demonstrated that if you actually visualize an outcome over and over before you're presented with the actual scenario, you're 50% more likely to not go into the old behavior. So what you could do is you could imagine going to the office, and you imagine that you walk in, and you actually say no to the donut, and you just go to your desk or wherever your office or whatever you're going to do. But in your mind, you've already created the scenario that donuts are no longer a thing for you that morning. When you create that in your mind prior to being confronted with the situation, you're 50% more likely to be successful than fighting yourself in the second about what it is you do or do not want.
0: It is the truth. Thank you. Is there anything that you would like to add to that? Because I'm pretty sure that just kind of wrapped everything up because it is a perfect analogy to taking that outcome you want and then move it into your day-to-day actions.
1: So let's go here, and you've heard me say this a lot, is you have to be the outcome in your mind first. Sun Tzu said that, and I'm probably going to mangle this, and I always do, but that's okay. Sun Tzu said something along the lines of, a victorious warrior goes to battle in their mind, and then goes to battle. A defeated warrior goes to battle and tries to win. Something along those lines. But basically, it's all, like I said earlier, everything is mental. And what your audience is doing, and you've seen me do this for long enough, almost everyone works backwards. They work from the outside in. That if I want to create something new in my life, I've got to go do something, which is a broken model. If I go do something, then I'm going to get a different outcome. However, if I'm not the kind of person being the kind of person to do what I need to do, then I'm going to fall back into my old behaviors. Let me get go a little further here so people can understand this. So a big motivation or a big peak performance speaker. And he tells people that, and everybody probably knows his name, uh, you've got to take massive action. Well, on the outside, that sounds really good and, and it makes sense. And so that's what everyone does. They try to take action. The reality is, at an identity level, let's say that you are not a committed person. You're not self-disciplined, you're not committed. Well, because you're not self-disciplined and not committed, you're not able to sustain the action that this speaker is telling you to take. So what you're doing is you're starting with a faulty strategy, and then you fail. And then what many people do is say, well, you know what? There I go. I failed again. And then they create a belief that they can't do it at all. So the final takeaway is that whatever you want to create, you must be that in your mind first whether it be a millionaire or in perfect shape or a 30 waist or or a size six or whatever it is, health, wellness, everything. You must be it in your mind first because behavior follows thought and people are working backwards. They're trying to actually use the behavior to get the outcome and that's working from the outside in instead of the inside out. Did that make sense?
0: Yes, made absolute sense. Perfect. So behavior follows thought, and you're going to work from the inside out. Once you're doing that, then your next—you know, you can hear it in me. I'm like I—I I must be—I—I I am a one-trick pony. Your next step is, but then it's true because if your behavior is following what you're believing inside, then you can take very small steps. You can—one of your steps could be simply, "I'm a committed person."
1: Okay, here you go, and let's keep it simple. Even, and I and I do subscribe to your process of what's the next step. People want steps. However, people love to complicate things. You only need one step, and that step could be as simple as this. Let's keep it really simple, guys, ladies. There is a book you can get on Amazon. It's probably four dollars. It's a hundred years old. No one knows who wrote it uh, because he only or she only uses their initials. And the title of the book is called "It Works." And it literally will take you probably 20 minutes to read. It's a very short book. I mean, whoever wrote it made it super simple. And the whole premise in the book is in the morning, first thing you wake up, hear, see, and feel the outcome that you want. At lunch, here, close your eyes, hear, see, and feel the outcome, turn it into a movie. And in the evening, hear, see, and feel the outcome. What you were literally doing by that process, as simple as it sounds, is you are literally reprogramming your subconscious identity. That is all that needs to be done. And that can be done in about three minutes a day. And now you're working from the inside out, not the outside in. Easy peasy.
0: And it's easy peasy. And that is something that I love doing.
1: Yeah, keep it simple. Final takeaway, whatever you are in your mind is what you will be in your external world.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today, Jim. That was amazing.
1: Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for the invite.
0: Thank you so much for listening today. I truly appreciate you being here. If you're ready to make a change in your fitness, to transform, or even to deep dive into what you need to be doing to get ready for your next dream adventure, I'd love to talk. I have space on my calendar for a few one on one clients, and I have a very special offer only for my podcast listeners. Go to fitisfreedom.com forward slash ready for details. If you're ready to take action on your dreams, I would truly love to work with you. Once again, that URL is fitisfreedom.com forward slash ready. I can't wait to connect and I'll see you on the next episode. Have a wonderful, wonderful week and bye for now. See you.